on RTHK Radio 3. Final look at the markets for this morning. Um, down in Australia now, the SX200 is rallying a little bit, up a quarter of a percent. Uh, the Nikkei 225 in Japan is up about 0.1%. The uh, Cosby in South Korea, uh, that's unchanged. And over in Hong Kong, futures markets indicating the Hang Seng's get around about 30 or 40 points at the open. In the commodities markets, Brent crude oil at $48 a barrel right now, and gold is trading at $1,830 an ounce. That's it for me. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Back chats coming up with Hugh Chiverton and Jim Gould. The weather forecast for today, fine and dry. Cool in the morning. Maximum temperature is going to be about 21 degrees during the day. And then the outlook is for it to be fine and dry in the next couple of days as well. Temperature right now is 16 degrees and it's 69% relative humidity. It's 8.31. Here's Samantha Butler with the Half Hour News. Britain has urged Hong Kong and Beijing to stop stifling opposition, with the Foreign Minister Dominic Raab calling on them to uphold the rights and freedoms of people in the SAR. He was commenting after pro-democracy activists Joshua Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam were jailed over an anti-government protest outside police headquarters in Wan Chai in June last year. Nathan Law co-founded the now-disbanded Demosisto party along with Agnes Chow and Joshua Wong. He's in exile in London. He was asked if pro-democracy activists need to change tactics. We've all been trying to adopt the new political norm set by the national security law. Some have left like me and some stay on the ground, but are carefully choosing words and actions. And for now, I think it is crucial for us to continuously monitor the situation because there is a possibility that Joshua, Ivan or even Agnes, they are prosecuted under the national security law, which the sentence could pile up. And to be honest, we don't know when they will come out if Beijing choose that route. An arrest warrant was issued for Mr Law, who left Hong Kong in June after he failed to attend a court hearing over charges of attending an illegal June 4th assembly to remember the 1989 Tiananmen Square massacre. Social media platform WeChat has blocked a message by the Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison in the latest escalation of tensions between Australia and China. The message had been a promise by Mr Morrison that Australia's Chinese community would not suffer because of the strained relationship. Recent months have been marked by a series of trade disputes between Canberra and Beijing, as well as criticism of each other's policies. U.S. intelligence chiefs say more than a 1,000 Chinese researchers have left the country as Washington takes a firmer line on the alleged theft of technology. The U.S. Justice Department said these researchers were in addition to the 1,000 students who, it was announced in September, had had their visas revoked. China described that move as political persecution. A U.S. counterintelligence official also said the incoming Biden administration has already become a target for Chinese cyber agents. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today, Jim Gould. Jim, good morning to you. Good morning. Today, COVID confusion and mass sackings at cable TV. The government is looking to increase fines for people breaking social distancing rules to $10,000 from the current $2,000 
but there's still considerable confusion among aspects of the latest measures. For example, will sports grounds be closed? What about cinemas? Or where do you not need to wear a mask? Is there any limit on numbers at social gatherings on private premises? What about gathering on transport? Can you gather if you're in the same household? What are the rules on weddings and restaurants and dance halls? Are you confused on the latest COVID-19 measures? Are you worried that you may be penalised? It's good for the rules to be adjusted, but are you keeping up? And what do you make of vaccine developments? We've heard that free doses will be available for everyone in Hong Kong, but a full programme of vaccination is unlikely to be underway until the second half of next year. Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bank Chat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email bankchat at rthk.hk or you can call us. And our telephone number is 233-88266. And as I say, from 9.15, we're going to be discussing those sackings on cable TV. Joining us uh, now on the line, we'll have uh, various experts joining us, but we start off with uh, Professor Benjamin Cowling, Head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, good morning, Professor Cowling. Hello? Oh, I think we've lost him. No, hello? hello? Yeah, hello, 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 Ben Cowling. Yep. Yes, hi yep, there. Hi. Yeah, 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 good morning. Um, so, um, v- uh, vaccines first. Sounds like good news. Yeah, that's right. So, the UK approved yesterday the Pfizer vaccine, and I think we're going to see the US, UK, and a few other countries start using uh, vaccines very soon. Of course, China's already been administering vaccines, and, and Russia as well. Uh, Hong Kong's a little bit further down the, the queue. We won't have vaccines as soon as those other places, but we will start getting them hopefully April, May, June next year. And in the second half of next year, should be able to get vaccines for for most of the population uh, by by the end of next year, certainly. The health secretary was saying that uh, uh, three million people here would uh, be the priority, uh, health workers, uh, the elderly, uh, care home staff and so on. Um, So uh, how's it likely to work? I mean, once those people have been vaccinated... Um, can the rest of the population sort of go about their normal business? Um, obviously, with the risk of contracting the virus if it's still circulating, but presumably, you know, not in the high-risk category. So, um, um, how do you think the whole vaccine pro- uh, process is going to play out? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. So, uh, you're right that there's probably two or three million people that we really have to get vaccinated before we can relax the social distancing measures. I think if we had a plan to vaccinate everybody in Hong Kong within the space of just a few months, then maybe we could say, let's wait till the end of those three months before we go back to normal. But if we have a plan that involves six or even more months, maybe the second half of next year to get through vaccinating everybody in Hong Kong, maybe we won't wait till the end of that before starting to go back to normal. Because after we vaccinated the first two million or three million highest risk people, I think there's, there's a good argument that we, we just do kind of relax the measures start going back to normal and uh, some of us may still get mild COVID but but we'll avert the kind of uh, scenarios that we've seen even in the US quite recently and of course in northern Italy before uh, and other parts of the world before where there's a lot of people in hospital and a lot of mortality. I think vaccinating the high-risk people is really the most urgent priority. So are we possibly looking at uh, things returning to some degree of normality by around about Easter time next year? No, I, I think next summer is a more likely mm. uh, expectation. Mm-hmm. So uh, certainly by next September, I, I really hope things will be getting back to normal in the city. I'm not sure there'll be, that will happen by Easter. Uh, in the summer, we may start relaxing some of the measures, and then by September, I hope that, that most of the measures will, will have gone and there wouldn't be any more uh, consideration for things like school closures or working at home, maybe still some limitations on mass gatherings, 
and still some caution in healthcare settings and in elderly homes because of the danger in those particular settings. Right. Now, um, these vaccines, are, uh, I mean, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, 95% effectiveness. Um, so, uh, so um, I mean, are you confident that, you know, we will have... Um, an adequate supply of effective uh, vaccines next year? I mean, I understand that the World Health Organization says there are currently 48 uh, vaccines undergoing clinical trials to assess their their safety. Um, 11 of them are in phase three, uh, the final stage. So um, we're going to have plenty of vaccines next year for the whole world. Is that is that the case? Yeah, certainly by the end of next year. I think it's going to take a while to, to ramp up the production and then the the distribution of the supply to, to the whole world. Um, we've heard about Pfizer, maybe 20 million doses in the US by the end of this year, and then 20 million doses a month after that. Uh, we've got Pfizer, we've got Moderna, we've got the Oxford University vaccine. There's some vaccines in China that are likely to be shown to be effective, maybe the Russian vaccine as well, and a few others. So there's a lot of options. And for Hong Kong, I guess the next priority is figuring out which companies to buy the vaccines from and trying to get as many doses as possible as soon as possible and i think the government are working on that yeah and when it comes to the the, the speed um there, there are those worrying signs um you know the suggestions that it won't even start until the middle of next year uh, the program in in hong kong of, of vaccinations and it won't be completed until the end of next year that would be like six months behind the the uk do, do you know why that might be what's going on there there's going to be a lot of demand for vaccines from everywhere in the world. And I think Hong Kong's not necessarily the top of the list because we don't uh, host those vaccine companies. We didn't pay for the development of the vaccines and we don't uh, host the manufacturing plants where the vaccines are made. So we, we don't have a... Oh, they get priority, uh, do they? I, I think they're going to get priority. They're, they're going to insist on priority. The, 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 uh, you know, the US and the UK that invested in these companies, gave them space, host the manufacturing facilities as well. And of course, now Pfizer and Moderna have both signed agreements with different companies around the world to produce their vaccine. I think there's one in Shenzhen that's producing at least one of these vaccines, a big vaccine plant in Shenzhen. Um, so I think the idea is going to be that vaccines for Asia may be made in Shenzhen, vaccines for Central Asia may be made in India, vaccines for South America might be made in Brazil and so on. So we don't necessarily have to wait for the vaccines to come to us from the UK. We may be able to get them from somewhere nearer, but still we wouldn't be at the top of the queue. Uh, what's the state of the, Ch the Chinese-developed uh, uh, vaccines? And, and, and frankly, you know, do you think the government will be feel kind of an obligation to buy the, the vaccine produced in China? That's a good question. We haven't heard a lot about the Chinese vaccines, actually. I'm surprised because... There's, there's been all this news about Moderna, Pfizer, and then the Oxford University vaccine. We know that one of the Chinese vaccines has filed for approval with the Chinese FDA, but we haven't really seen the, the evidence backing that up, what's the effectiveness, what kind of studies were done. I guess that will be coming out in the next few weeks. And there's, there's no immediate objection, I think, to, to using a vaccine from mainland China. The, the kind of vaccines that they make have been used uh, for, for many, many years with, with good uh, records in general. I don't know whether in Hong Kong we'll choose that path. We have not previously used vaccines that are made in mainland China, um, but maybe this is a, a special case because of the urgency of the situation. Uh, I guess that's, that's another issue for the government to, to decide. I think what we wouldn't like to happen is having a whole lot of vaccines come in and then maybe people don't want to, to take them.
Would, would, sorry, just, would it be a problem if there were lots of different kinds of vaccines? If we were, if some were taking some from China and some were taking the Pfizer and some were taking other it, ones? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think you know that Pfizer is a two-dose, Oxygen versus two-dose, Moderna is a two-dose strategy. You need one dose and then about a month later you need a second dose. We have no, in, no information, no idea whether it would be okay to mix and match. Could you have one dose of Pfizer and then a second dose of Moderna or Oxford instead? What would happen if, if you got that? I don't know. And that presents challenges if we're supposed to stick to the same vaccine twice. We have to remember what we got, or someone needs to remember what we got. And then when you mix up the different types of vaccines, the vaccines uh, being tested in mainland China are a different type of vaccine. I don't know if it's a good idea to, to mix them up in, you know, have one dose of one type and a second dose of a different type. Um, and I'm not sure when we'd be able to find out I mean, that, if that would yeah, work. I think... That wouldn't be too much of a problem, would it? Because you could easily kind of know which type you'd got. But if you had a population that had received, you know, four different kinds of vaccine, would that make it? Would that matter? Would that be significant? No, no, that, that, that's fine. I mean, that's it may fine. well okay. be that some vaccines work better in some age groups than others. For flu, we have a nasal spray vaccine that we use in children sometimes, and then the injected vaccine in the elderly. Um, it, it's quite possible that we'll have different vaccines, maybe in different age groups, in different risk groups. Um, and that might be a good way to delineate things. We'll say, you know, we get the Pfizer vaccine, we give it to this group. We'll get the Oxford University vaccine, we'll give it to that group. And then, as you said, then there's no mix-up with, with who got what because because it depends on your grouping or your age or whatever. And, and I suppose another thing we don't know at this stage is uh, how long the immunity is going to last uh, once the vaccine is administered. That's right. So you mentioned 95% effectiveness for the Pfizer vaccine, and that was just in the one month after people had received their second dose. So really very short-term data. Uh, we don't know if it's 95% in the second month, the third month, the sixth month after one year. My guess is the effectiveness would come down. Maybe not a lot, but it would come down. And we're anticipating most likely people would need to be revaccinated every three years, four years, five years, something like that. Maybe not every year, but, but we will need to have some revaccinations in the future, but that's a problem we'll deal with down the road later. Well, yeah, we had a question to that effect from uh, MT. Thanks very much indeed. I hope that, that answers your, your question. Uh, this is from uh, June. who uh, says, I would very much like to understand the process of vaccine importing to Hong Kong. Is the Hong Kong government in charge of purchasing the vaccine, or can private hospitals and doctors purchase their own choice of vaccine, provided they're approved? Uh, who is the equivalent of MHRA in Hong Kong? Also, is it possible we can have a choice of vaccine brand? Um, can you offer any insight there? So in the first instance, I think the government's going to do a, a mass purchase mm -hmm. for distribution to the general public for free, but prioritising the risk groups first, and then there'll be an order of priority. So maybe uh, it'll be like the ID card system where you can make an appointment to go and get your vaccine when it's your turn. Um, I think that private hospitals, private doctors will attempt to get their own supply later but that won't be possible immediately because all the supply will be dominated by the bulk purchases from countries so that may be towards the end of next year maybe private hospitals will start to be able to get their own supply and then you could go to a private hospital and choose which one you want but i think initially we'll be relying on the government to have vaccine for, for everybody Okay. Um, the, the other yeah. topic we wanted to talk yeah. about today was the sort of confusion over the, over the regulations 
uh, we've had uh, another change in uh, another tweaking of of, of the rules, uh, and a lot of people have been sort of saying, "Can I do this? Can I can I do that? What happens in this scenario?" Uh, and, and finding it hard, frankly, to uh, keep up uh, with the, with the restrictions. Uh, and you know what happens? Um, a lot of people I know were caught out with cinemas closing uh, and things like this, and not quite clear what's happening with um, restaurants uh, and, and so on. Um, what's your thought on that, Professor? I, I really like the system they've got in some other countries where they have tiers, like tier mm. one, tier two, tier three, and the government explains in advance very clearly what happens in the different tiers, and then they, they give an announcement like we're going to move to tier two or we're going to move to red or something. And we, we haven't really had that in Hong Kong. We've had very short notice about changes in policy, and the changes haven't been exactly the same as, as in the, the past. Now, the, the measures that have just been introduced, I think, will be enough to bring an end to the fourth wave. We'll start to see numbers come down later in December. I think they're still going to go up for another week or even two weeks. And then the numbers will start to come down, the daily case numbers, by Christmas and into the new year. When the fourth wave's over, it'll be a really good opportunity to look at what we'll do if there was to be a fifth wave. Because as, as we mentioned, vaccine is not coming yet. We'll have to wait until April, May, June, July. So there's still uh, a period of time when we're going to be concerned about fifth wave or and so on so maybe we can look at a system where there's clearer uh, guidelines about what people can and can't do at different levels of risk so you would expect uh, the current restrictions to remain uh, at least until after christmas and new year i would have thought so now i given that we're having 100 cases yesterday um i, I can't see the numbers coming down by much within the next two weeks maybe even more than this week, next week. Um, and that means it's going to take a while for the numbers to come down again. You remember in the, the third wave, it went on for quite a while after we peaked. It went, went on for another month or two. Mm. We're also joined now by Dr Alvin Chan, a paediatrician, council member of the Hong Kong Medical Association. Dr Chan, good morning to you. Thanks for, for joining us. So there's a couple of things we want to talk about. Maybe talk about the vaccines again first. What, what do you make of this uh, announcement from, from the administration that uh, free vaccines will be available, but it will be quite late? Well, I think um, they, they, are, they are planning to say that they will um, get enough supply to all citizens to country. 
brands as well, um, most likely they will have more confidence in getting uh, the Chinese manufactured vaccines. And uh, well, so far, it seems that uh, all the scientific evidence uh, that had um, emerged, um, well, these vaccines are new vaccines, including the adenovirus made um, and also the mRNA viruses. They all um, have the vaccines uh, made to uh, give antibodies to spike protein of the virus. Um, so one, some, some of them might have um, the side effects that uh, the earlier stages of uh, trials had um, demonstrated that uh, most of the trials that are these are acceptable, just very few trials that emerged. And uh, for the Chinese studies, uh, they, they, they said that it's very, very effective. And uh, so I, I guess the, the government and, um, and most uh, pro-establishment uh, legislative councillors would um, advise the government, uh, and uh, the government would really go for the Chinese vaccines as well. So I, I think, um, well, anyway, it's the, it's the common consensus that um, most citizens, I think, would, uh, should have the vaccination, uh, whatever then it is. Um, well, but I, I think uh, whether the uh, citizens will really um, have the confidence to be vaccinated, we really still don't know how, how, how many citizens will really want to We okay. really don't know yet. Okay, okay. well, hold on, please, uh, Dr. Chan and Professor Cowlin, because uh, we have a caller on the line now, Justin. Uh, good morning. Uh, good morning there. Yeah, yeah. Please go ahead. Well, it's not really about vaccines, more to do with the, um, the uh, confusion, you know, created by, I think it's 599G, the cap, you know, um, related to what we can and cannot do. But just quickly on vaccines there, at least one thing, it will... Uh, yeah, immunise us against the hysteria that we're all feeling at the moment and change the mindset of the world. You know, that's one great thing about the vaccines. I'm sure yeah, everyone would agree on that. However, my point here is um, I've been through all the regulations and my question is this. At home, you know, in a place of residence, are we allowed to have a Christmas party? You know, for example, could I invite my neighbours round? Would it, you know, would I be risking that fine or being duped or duped, you know, by the, uh, someone who wants to call up the hotline or something. So it stipulates that in private places, but doesn't say what you can do at home. You know, we're planning a Christmas party, nothing too outlandish. <laughs> Just a few people over at Christmas. We simply don't know if we could have people over for dinner. You know, are we risking breaking the law? And it's just it's nowhere, I can't find it anywhere in that, uh, in any of the annexes where it stipulates what we can or cannot do. I'm, again, I'm not trying to you know, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to criticise it. I'm just simply trying to understand and so follow the rules. If it says you can't, then we can't and we won't. But unless we know, nobody seems to know. And, of course, I think this is a, a pertinent question because it's certainly going to, you know, come very uh, yeah, very prominent towards uh, Christmas and certainly Chinese New Year if things are still in place. Would you not agree? And do you know if there's any answer to this? That's a good point. Uh, Dr Chen? Yes. 
Could you shed any light on that? Uh, ga uh, private gatherings at home? Um, what, 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 well, what, what are the, regu the, what are the regulations? Private gathering at yeah. home, uh, well, I think it's very difficult to be policed. How, how, how could you really find out that there are um, more than uh, a handful of people gathering at home and not protected? So I, I think that the, the policing is, is a big problem. And also, um, well, I, I would think that um, even all over the world, even in UK or in Europe, they, they, they are, Christmas is really a big season for them. And uh, people have to um, celebrate. And I, I think it's really difficult to, to implement the law. And, uh, but however, I, I think um, it's an attitude that matters. So when the people stay alert and they really um, keep the, um, the, the caution, I, I think uh, it would be um, safer. And uh, now even uh, going to the hospital to visit, and uh, it's, it's so dangerous, and so many people are still going to the part of hospitals. So I, I think um, so. if the citizens are cautious, then um, of course the law will be easier to be uh, implemented, to be policed there. <laughs> so uh, um, but the, but the, I think at least, for the public areas, if uh, we can implement the law in the public areas, and uh, that, that would be already uh, half success. Uh, I think in private areas at home, uh, really, it's, it's uh, quite difficult to implement the law. I mean, just in my understanding of, of, the, of the cap, as you say, 599G, is that it, it only refers to public places. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, and so, pri uh, public places are, pl you know, places where the w which are at some time open to the public. So your house presumably isn't, Justin. Um, so yeah, you can do what you like. Is that right? I mean, Professor Cowling, is that right? Is that your understanding? Hello, um, Cowling. Yes, on no. that. Can I have um, the neighbours over? Uh, yes, you can. But where does it say I can? You know, this needs to be, I think, mm. I mean, Dr. Chan there was uh, explaining very cleverly, very, you know, with lots of words there about attitudes, which I totally agree with. However, you know, just trying to, anyways, let's just take me as an example. I'm the person who's trying to follow the law, trying to understand those rules and regulations, respect them for obvious reasons. However, unless it's in black and white, yes or no, Who's to know? And it's, it's just going to create, you know, confusion in that sense. I know for a fact you can't go out and gather, you know, in groups of four, you know, or more than two people. However, what can you or can you not do at home? You know, there's a worry there amongst people, especially, you know, given the circumstances. Yes, it's Christmas. It's a time to have some fun. But, you know, it's, it's also a, a time of concern, isn't it? So what we need to do is specify exactly in black and white can we or can we not have the neighbours over at Christmas? But it needs to be said. We can't just speculate because, you know, it becomes Chinese whispers. It's ambiguous. It's opaque. And we just simply don't understand. And people worry about that. And it needs to be specified. It needs to be actually said what uh, okay, you can me, have okay, to let me, let me just check the, check the, um, check the law. But uh, uh, Benjamin Cowling, did you, what's, what's your uh, understanding? So I, 
I don't know the technical details if it if it also covers uh, private residences. I remember in Singapore there was a, a similar law to what we have in Hong Kong, and they did specifically say you you can't have gatherings in private residences. They were going to look through your curtains and so on. Um, I don't know what exactly the law says. The fine details in Hong Kong. Hmm. Uh, exactly, it doesn't say. Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, I, I mean the, the general legal principle is that I mean you can do anything you like as long as the law says you can't um but uh, but uh, uh, take the point that um, some some clarity on this matter uh, may certainly help as we're uh, we're entering the the party season um i know a lot of people are planning to have uh, christmas parties and gatherings with uh, with friends and family yeah. Yeah. okay justin yeah the the, the law says uh, paragraph three that the uh, the following group gatherings are prohibited from taking place during a specified period so that's now uh a, a group gathering at a public place, uh, yes. other than there are various exemptions for, for when you can, like, AGMs and weddings and things like that. But this, in, in other words, this refers to a public place. Your home probably is not a public place, Justin. So, yeah, you can do what you like. Okay, it would just be nice to, you know, sort of have that, I mean, surely, surely, it would be nice to know that in black and white, because as I say, some people... Yeah, just need that reassurance. They, they are genuinely worried. I know for a fact amongst my friends, uh, oh, I don't know if we can, we can't, and without any defining guidelines, it's, it's okay. just, you know... Take, take it from me, I'm, I'm not a lawyer and I don't play one on the internet, <laughs> but uh, as far as I can see, the, uh, the laws relate to only to public places and there is no, there is no law governing what you can do in your, in, your, in your house, so you can gather as many people as you like. Well, there you go, then. OK. OK. Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Justin. All right. Cheerio. <laughs> OK, thanks very much indeed for your call. If you've got any questions, 233-88266. We say goodbye now uh, for the moment to Professor Ben Cowling. Thank you very much indeed, Head of the Division of Epidemiology and Biostatistics at the University of uh, Hong Kong. Another professor who's the head, uh, Chief of Infectious Disease, Diseases Division at the same university will be joining us um, after the news at uh, nine. And we're also going to be talking about uh, those sacking and departures at cable TV and the implications. The weather, fine and dry, cool this morning and at night. Temperatures up to about 21 degrees, 17 degrees at the moment. Relative humidity is at 68%. Discrimination. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back, Bank Chat, this Thursday morning with uh, Jim Gould and me, Hugh Chiverton. We continue to talk about aspects of uh, COVID-19, the uh, debate over vaccines, uh, and also confusion over the uh, new measures and what we're actually uh, allowed or not allowed to do. We're joined now by Dr Alvin Chan, paediatrician, council member of the Hong Kong Medical Association. We're also joined now by Professor Ivan Hong. He's the Ru Qian and Helen Lee Professor in Health Sciences, Pedagogy at the Li Ka-shing Faculty of Medicine at the University of Hong Kong and Chief of Infectious Diseases Division at the University of Hong Kong. Uh, if you've got a question um, for uh, experts, then uh, please email backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 23 3388266. Good to talk to Justin in the first part of the programme. I hope we solved uh, his problem. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page as well. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Later, we're going to be talking about the uh, departure, the sackings, the resignations at cable TV and the implications of that with uh, an uh, expert from uh, the Chinese University. Once again, Backchat at RTHK.hk is our email address. Uh, Professor Hong, good morning. 
Good morning. So we were Thank talking you. before nine o'clock, uh, partly about the latest uh, COVID-19 uh, distancing measures. Um, um, do you think the measures are clear enough? Are they clearly explained enough? Well, I think up to now, I think the instructions are pretty clear right now. Um, I think important, of course, is the uh, social distancing, uh, especially, uh, you know, a school has been closed and now on Zoom schooling and um, most people are working now from home. And of course, that the uh, in terms of the restaurant, uh, there will be two people per table. Uh, and of course, they have to close at 10 o'clock uh, every night. So these uh, measures are tightened up. Uh, in terms of the uh, capacity of accommodating new patients, uh, again, the Asia Expo has uh, recently expanded the number of beds uh, so that they will be able to accommodate uh, possibly up to 800 patients up there. Uh, and that will absorb a lot of the pressures currently uh, on our public hospitals' uh, isolation beds. Mm. Uh, I mean, there are a great many of these measures, though, aren't they? They involve uh, sports grounds, uh, cinemas and so on, um, the country parks. Uh, There's a question about, um, I mean, do you need to wear a mask in a, a country park and so on? Um, um, <laughs> you know, um, uh, do, 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 do you think the way that the measures are explained and set out uh, uh, could perhaps be clearer? I mean, we were talking earlier about uh, other places have different tiers of uh, COVID alerts, don't they, where uh, they move to a certain tier and, and the, the restrictions um, uh, are understood, uh, which go into that uh, category. Um, uh, uh, here, it seems uh, every few days uh, there's a change and it's perhaps a little bit difficult for some people to keep up. Yes, I think in a way uh, the government could do a little bit better is, uh, is to set up a, a rule that will change... Uh, according to the severity of the uh, of the pandemic, the local pandemic uh, situation, so that uh, people could be easily adjusted rather than actually changing the regulations every time when there's a increase in cases. Uh, the other thing, of course, could be much clearer is the regulations in terms of the, the sports ground, you know, uh, because... Uh, really, if you are actually playing sports outdoor, the risks are very low uh, because of the air changes, of course, uh, and that uh, people should not be uh, not allowed to, to play sports, especially outdoors, uh, even for group sports. Uh, previous law, previous rules, you know, according to, they can actually play the number of players according to the, uh, the, the international guidelines in terms of the number of players allowed per pitch is is probably more appropriate rather than having just two people uh, <clears throat> per sport which is uh, absolutely ruining the game especially and and in fact posing a very low risk in terms of the uh, uh, infection control and how about um, beaches we've we've talked a lot about beaches on this program. We've got a lot of response from our listeners. Uh, um, uh, once again, gazetted beaches are closed. Uh, uh, shower facilities, uh, changing rooms closed and so on. Um, there's very little evidence of, uh, of the virus being spread uh, outdoors on beaches, but I suppose the, I suppose the question is uh, chain, the changing rooms are, are indoor spaces, aren't they? Then again, this time of year, not so many people are, are heading for the beach. Uh, indeed, yes. I think for for outdoor sports, as long as there's no 
you know, clustering and that people are uh, for beaches, provided they are, you know, distancing themselves, uh, then they will be, they should be allowed to, to, to go on. Uh, and of course, this could be done by, by having patrols that are, you know, making sure that people are complying to the regulations. Mm. Uh, and of course, if you have fewer people on the beach, then uh, there will be fewer people using the, uh, the changing room, then the risk again will be lower. You know, there are these uh, efforts, well, for a start, where the, the government is talking about increasing the fines uh, from uh, for, for breach of the regulations from $2,000 up to $10,000, which would be a, a very big increase. It's reported that they're, they're you know, getting advice from the Department of Justice on, on that. So that would be one change. There are also these attempts to, or, or thinking about making things uh, compulsory, um, mandatory uh, testing, mandatory use of uh, an app if you want to go into a restaurant uh, and things like this. I've got to say, my impression is that p- people in Hong Kong are pretty uh, compliant and pretty law-abiding uh, and are, and are doing what they're told uh, in, in general. Um, do you see uh, that we would benefit from having tougher penalties, uh, more strict laws? Well, I think um, increasing the fine is certainly uh, a way of um, stopping some very few people that do not comply to the rules. Uh, but I think more important, perhaps, is the uh, is the screening, the screening tests that are being done at the airport. Uh, that uh, again, there should be a, a, a supervision on how you collect the uh, the saliva, and of course that uh, when you after uh, that you have passed the uh, the screening test at the airport, then there should be designated hotel that they are staying in, and that it would be much better if these. Uh, uh, returnees could be transferred to the hotel uh, by a, a designated coach or transportation to the designated hotel. Okay, so some emails. Bankchat.rthk.hk is our address. Uh, David says, one of my friends is locked up in a... This is David Wan. One of my friends is locked up in a hotel undergoing 14 days quarantine. He tells me he thinks his position is worse than that of a prisoner. At least in prison, the prisoners are allowed out for fresh air and exercise. In quarantine, one is not permitted that. Fresh air and exercise are important for our health. Why are swimming pools closed? That's from uh, David uh, Wan. Uh, Jay says, England says that a family of two or three or four can all sit at the same restaurant table. Isn't that intelligent? But Hong Kong, you've got to split the family on separate tables. Let David Webb sit on the committee for decision-making of what can open and close. A logical, intelligent uh, thinker. Uh, And uh, David, a different David, this is David too, says, uh, could you please ask uh, Dr Cowling, maybe we'll put this to Dr Chan, uh, if it's correct that the Western vaccines from Pfizer and Moderna will only prevent symptoms, not deactivate, block the virus, i.e. people will still carry and spread the virus, but it won't get sick. Uh, won't get sick. That he says. See the statement from Dr. Fauci in the U.S. from October 20, and uh, he also says there was a statement in the French media um, by a famous French physician and geneticist 
who said, if I had to be vaccinated today, it would be the Chinese vaccine based on an old-school proven method using inactivated viruses. Currently, the Chinese vaccines are the most advanced in the world. Could we have our local experts comment more on the differences of all the major available vaccines? So, so Dr. Chan, uh, David, David, too, is suggesting that the, the, the Chinese approach to vaccines is completely different to the, to the others. Uh, the others really just kind of suppress the symptoms but don't cure the disease. Is, do you have any uh, insight on that, any knowledge? Dr. Chan? Alvin Chan? Uh, okay. Nope. I think uh, we've lost Dr. Chan. I think, All right. I think we've lost Dr. Chan. Uh, okay. I, uh, Professor Hung, do you know anything about that? Well, I think uh, uh, for the vaccine, uh, currently, I think uh, we don't know which one is better than the others because mm. we have, mm. do not have long-term data. We do not have the beyond six months uh, immunogenicity data. So, uh, and even the safety there is... is just uh, based on the currently published data, which is based on the phase one. So uh, we are very much are waiting for the phase three uh, results to be published. Uh, and that, of course, that the, um, uh, the, the te technology is different uh, for the Moderna and the Pfizer is an RNA vaccine. For the, uh, the AstraZeneca and the Chinese vaccine is a, is a life attenuated vaccine. Uh, based on the so-called very co conventional way of making, uh, using the receptor binding domain of the, of the virus as the, uh, as the uh, antigen. So um, again, it's very much uh, depends on the, uh, the, the long-term data that, that will decide which one is better than the others. Okay. Uh, but looking at the phase one result, we know that all these vaccines works very well uh, and, and should work. Uh, the matter is whether it could last more than a year, uh, especially towards the end of the 12 months after you've been vaccinated, whether the antibody would drop to an extent that the, uh, there's possibility that you will uh, contract the virus uh, towards the end. Uh, and that is the, the, it's similar to influenza vaccine as such. Uh, okay, a couple of uh, more emails with a common theme. Uh, Guy says, the last caller is correct to raise this point about gatherings in homes. The same doubt arises over vehicles and boats, which are in a public place, but are private spaces. Uh, and uh, the Grinch says, if rules on gatherings apply to homes, then only two people can gather, which makes family life difficult, especially in the confines of Hong Kong homes. Also, if unexplained exemptions apply to homes, then what constitutes a home? Marine police are clamping down on gatherings on boats, even private boats. So you do have to designate... So do you have to designate one location as home if you happen to have more than one property floating or not? With fines being raised to somewhere in the region of $10,000 for breaching unclear laws, it might help to be more specific. That comes from the uh, Grinch. I think I can help out a little bit here. Uh, it's not a question of a home. It's a question of a, of a public place or not a public place. And a public place, uh, uh, according, this is according to coronavirus.gov.hk. This is the government website, which has got some FAQs on, on things like this. So it's coronavirus.gov.hk. It says how to define a public place. Public place means any place to which, for the time being, the public or a section of the public may or are permitted to have access, whether on payment or otherwise. So uh, if it's somewhere uh, like a shop or a cinema or something like that where the public are allowed to come, usually your home would not be a public place. Uh, there's no definition of a home, there's just a public place and 
and a non-public place. So um, that's that. Uh, uh, there's also an FAQ there. Uh, is a private vehicle a public place? Uh, and whether the driver... This is under the, the mask rules, by the way, and whether the driver is subject to... and passenger are subject to mandatory mask-wearing requirement. Um, the website says, generally speaking, private vehicles for, perf for personal use. If they're not available for hire by the general public and a person may not gain access to the vehicle for the time being as a member of the public, are not regarded as public places where wearing masks is required under the regulation. So, um, yeah, so a car, a private car, not a taxi, a private car is, is, is not a uh, public place. Uh, and you don't have to wear a mask. That's the uh, that's the rule there. So I hope that that clears up a little bit uh, what actually constitutes a, a home and a public and a private place. Uh, Mushroom says, why doesn't the government just text it on the telephone? That's what the hospitals do. That's what the uh, weather does. That's uh, on uh, keeping you updated on the latest rules. Paul says the government measures are stupid. This morning I shared a packed bus with over 120 strangers at very close quarters. Yet I'm not allowed to publicly share a space with close friends whom I know and trust. Also, why are schools closed? Children are the lowest risk. However, the highest risk, the elderly, seems to have no restriction on movement. Where is the science behind all of this? Um, thanks very much indeed for those, those comments. Mm. Um, uh, uh uh, uh, Professor Hung, um, that that point about uh, school closures and uh, and restrictions on the elderly. Uh, do you have any uh, views on that? Well, I, I think for school closures is basically to protect the um, uh, the virus from from spreading within the, the schools. And of course, we know that the uh, children are very much uh, most of them are asymptomatic. But it's a, a problem if they catch the virus at school and then they pass on to their parents or the grandparents and and that that will be a problem uh giving the, the the really large number of you know cases confirmed cases uh within the last few days so i think school closures to christmas is 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 a clever it's an intelligent move uh, and uh, and that you know that will be hopefully be able to bring down the number of new cases um for for elderly, uh, uh, again, it says for elderly homes, you know, um, they should be checking the, uh, you know, they should be screening all the, the, the workers who are looking after these elderly people. Uh, again, if, if there's an outbreak in the elderly homes, uh, they, they pose a very high risk of uh, mortality, uh, similar to the third wave when there's massive outbreaks in the elderly homes. And that... Uh, uh, there are a lot of casualties as a result uh, because these uh, elderly have uh, multiple comorbidity, and we know that they are at very high risk of uh, succumbing to, to the virus and developing complications. So do you think we've got it just about right with, this, uh, with, the, with the current level of uh, restrictions, or, or is there anything else we should be doing? Yes, I, I think currently we are just about right, uh, and hopefully we'll be able to contain uh, this outbreak uh, within the next two or three weeks hopefully just before Christmas, and, and that would be the best thing that would happen, yeah. What, what about that, uh, the, the late delivery of vaccines? Um, a, a lot of people would think, well, why is Hong Kong a rich, you know, go-ahead international place like us? Why would we be potentially six months, it seems, uh, behind other countries? That's, a, that's, a, that's an uh, age. No, I, I don't think that they are we are very much behind. In fact, I think the government has already uh, made order uh, for um, you know, million, several million doses of vaccine, 
Uh, but they were talking okay. about they were talking about the, the the vaccination program not starting until the second quarter of, uh, of next oh, year. No, no, no. I, I don't think that is uh, that that probably is the latest that they would do. But if the vaccines arrived earlier, uh, I think that the vaccination program will be launched much earlier. Uh, but of course, it will not be as early as UK or US that will be starting uh, in the middle of this month. Uh, which I think is because of the the situation that they are facing, that they have a large number of new cases uh, and a very high mortality as a result, so that they will be already starting to vaccinate the healthcare workers, followed by the elderly. Uh, but I think we won't be too uh, much behind. Uh, we probably, hopefully, will be starting uh, the vaccination uh, earlier than the so-called designated date. Will there be a political element of this? Will we have a kind of obligation to use the uh, vaccine from China? No, no, I don't think there's a political obligation at all. Uh, it's, it's only uh, which vaccine is available. That is the, 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 that is the, uh, the main, uh, the main uh, issue. Okay, uh, another uh, email. This is from RB, uh, who says, Morning, BC, from RB. I uh, echo your caller's sentiment about finding accurate COVID-19 on the government website. Prompt and timely and accurate information is not always published by the multi and varied government agencies. Why not? Coronavirus.gov.hk and news.gov and EB are notoriously slow. The EB sometimes 24 to 48 hours late. Uh, first uh, December's Wednesday restrictions stated playgrounds will be closed, but some sports venues could stay open as long as people exercised in groups of two only. That's what we were touching on. Yesterday in our local Hong Kong area, the playgrounds were still open and the football pitches and basketball courts had been padlocked. Uh, people use the open-air space football pitches and basketball courts for multiple sports exercises, not just football and basketball. Where is the common sense and communication between uh, Tamar and LCSD? Classic carry-on Hong Kong. That's carry as in Carrie Lam. That's from uh, RB. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thank you to uh, Professor Ivan Hung, who's the uh, Ru Chien and Helen Lee Professor in Health Sciences Pedagogy, the Lee Ka-shing Faculty of Medicine at the University of Hong Kong, and Chief of the Infectious Disease uh, Division at the University of Hong Kong. Thank you very much indeed. Um, uh, finally today, as mentioned, we wanted to um, hear, hear some thoughts on uh, iCable News. This is after the uh, news department uh, laid off some 40 staff members uh, on Tuesday. Tuesday, including uh, reporters from an award-winning investigative programme, as well as members from other major news teams. Uh, we're joined now uh, by uh, Grace Lung, who's a lecturer in the School of Journalism and Communication at the Chinese University of Hong Kong. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. What, what do you make of this, of what iCable has done? Uh, uh, they say it's a financial decision. Do you see it uh, in that way? No, I, I don't think that is a financial decision because uh, judging by the fact that they uh, laid off a whole team, a complete team, including from the most senior to the most junior uh, staff member, that means um, that is not, uh, they, this team was targeted rather than uh, make judge for uh, restructuring or that kind of financial decision. I think this move is uh, very unwise for uh, iCable because uh, what came cannot compensate what it lost. Uh, because uh, it lost um, at least uh, two teams of uh, wearable staff. Uh, up to now, we don't know how many have resigned. Uh, but it certainly it will, um, will be a, a hardship or maybe a setback, a strong, uh, very tough time for the, the 
team member who remain in that position. And then they also lost a lot of uh, senior and experienced news workers who could provide important guidance to junior journalists to do professional reporting. And then uh, its reputation, I mean, the reputation of uh, IK News uh, Department, which have been uh, built up in the past seven, 27 years, uh, will be suffer a lot, judging by the fact that uh, the management did not explain uh, what are the criteria of sacking those staff. And then many, I, I, support, uh, I believe many subscribers uh, who did not cut their cord because uh, they still want to see the IK News. But now you give them a very sufficient reason to unsubscribe uh, this service. So I think that reputation cannot be recovered in a short period of time. And then people will face more financial um, problem if uh, they they did not acknowledge what they had done was wrong, uh, was unaccountable, maybe irresponsible to the general public. So why do you think it is then that they uh, they went ahead and made these layoffs? I think that is a political censorship rather than uh, a pure financial decision. Probably financial decision has existed for in the past decade actually, but um, uh, the news, the cable news is uh, is uh, one of the most popular channel. Many people subscribe because of uh, their support to show their support to this variable service. But now you cut this uh, the variable staff, that means you are not regard or respect uh, their service. So I think uh, maybe probably they touch on some sensitive issues and also. Because um, um, probably the atmosphere, political atmosphere nowadays did not allow uh, dissident or maybe a diversified voice in the mainstream media uh, at large. So what are the implications uh, then for the, for, for the rest of the news media? Uh, I think um, people may turn away from the mass media, probably those may turn to the social media to get what the information they want to get from the internet or from uh, the social, the online media site. And then probably the uh, traditional media may lose support from the, especially the younger generation um, uh, who may have different viewpoints from the political issues. So I, because I observe, uh, for example, today, this morning, before I uh, went to my office. I, I usually I will watch uh, cable news, and then I find that their uh, the judgment of news has more likely closer to the mainstream or the official light rather than putting another point of view. Because uh, when they are uh, talking about uh, the sentence of the trials um, yesterday about three young um, activists, political activists, Joshua Wong and Ernest Chow. And, and they prefer yep. to use uh, the news clipping or maybe the commentary from the editorial from Wen Wei and, and then a, a Xing Tao, uh, who are more close to the official line. So I think that is a deliberate measure showing that they pick loyalty to the government rather than to, uh, to make a balance point of view uh, in the same news report. Talking of loyalty to the government, there was that, that interesting um, little insight uh, when uh, Carrie Lam was being interviewed um, this week by uh, Oscar Lee, the uh, iCable uh, news controller, and uh, sort of in between shots she, she said that uh, 
uh, you are too mild or you are very mild. She used the English word mild, I think, uh, and also said, no wonder my press secretary says you are very cooperative. That's what the chief executive said to the uh, news controller. Uh, what do you make of that? Oh, I think if uh, I am to report, I will feel I will, uh, this is a disgrace or maybe it's an in insult to your professionalism. Because uh, the job of a journalist is to ask questions, especially ask tough questions to the politicians. Uh, but if you you are presenting mild questions, that means uh, you fail to do your job professionally. So I think that is an insult rather than and humiliation rather than a joke or maybe any kind of respect to his job. Okay. Uh, here's an email from Martin who says, iCable has laid off around 100 staff. Why does RTHK focus on the 40 people from the news desk only, completely ignoring the other 60? Thousands of people who have lost their jobs, either because the business has been affected by the pandemic or the anti-China stroke anti-government protests, have no voice either. Destroying Hong Kong's businesses and its economy was actually one of the protesters and pan-democratic camp's major goal either by physically destroying people's livelihood or by petitioning Western countries to sanction Hong Kong. Many local reporters and editorial teams supported these goals as well, abandoned their journalistic ethics and standards by abusing their positions as gatekeepers, turning into activist reporters, producing extremely biased, single-sided coverage. Now, once they're personally affected, they don't like it, believing economics doesn't apply to them and that they provide essential services. Sorry, they are mistaken. Nowadays, AI can provide better, more efficient, accurate and balanced news reporting than most Hong Kong reporters. Apple Daily or Hong Kong Free Press may offer jobs for those sacked by iCable. Those terminated and those that resign may try to start another online news by crowdfunding if they're able to offer any value to such a news channel. That comes uh, from Martin making the point that this is uh, simply because of the, the economy, the effects of the... Uh, partly of the pandemic, partly of, of, of the protests. Uh, uh, and uh, that's proved in part by um, the fact that 100 staff have, have been laid off, but all the fuss is about the people, the journalists, the people from the news desk. Any comment on that? Grace Lam? Uh, yeah, uh, but I think um, uh, the layoff only uh, may... But the layoff is uh, unjustified because of uh, the way how they handle it. Um, you can... Uh, lay off, but you can also ask the head to recommend, or maybe they do something or liaise with um, the department head. But in this case, it seems that they, the management, do it on their own, and then it seems they target on a certain group rather than seek the cooperation from the internal staff or or the the session heads. So I think that is unusual. And then another unusual part is um, actually um, the Chinese team. They had voiced out uh, the uh, management tried to intervene their uh, editorial decisions uh, from other reports, from other newspapers' reports. So I think um, maybe they feel that uh, the management would like to do something to uh, uh, to um, uh, uh, to suppress uh, the editorial autonomy or maybe uh, the way how they handle news. So probably it's a signal to them to show that oh, we are going to do something and then if you still want to uh, stay in our station, you have to be quiet and then you also need to need to cooperate with our political uh, or maybe our new stand. So I think that is a gesture for that second. Uh, that's why um, they prefer to resign or because that is at least that is their own choice. And also they want to make a noise to let the 
general public know what happened to their station. Uh, okay, Andrew Kay says, iCable can do what they like within the labour law. Just because they were journalists, and in inverted commas, you will milk this to death. You know my views on the press. That comes from uh, Andrew Kay. Thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, thank you very much indeed to uh, Grace Lung, lecturer in the School of Journalism and Communication at the Chinese University. Just a couple more comments, uh, sorry, on Facebook. Uh, we didn't get to uh, earlier. Uh, Victoria says, many other countries, this is in regard to the uh, regulations and uh, 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 COVID regulations in Hong Kong. Uh, Victoria says, many other countries put stipulations on how many people can gather in private settings, including at home given the holidays. I agree with the caller that the government should give more guidelines uh, on this. Uh, and uh, Nick says, I wonder if your experts can clarify what uh, is a quite confusing set of rules. Are a family of four allowed to be in a public together? Is there a maximum number of people around at a private dinner at home? That's a question uh, from Nick. I think I can answer both of, the, both of your questions. Um, uh, Nick, uh, you can do what you like at home. Uh, the, the, all, all the regulations only apply to public spaces. Uh, private spaces, the, there's no, uh, there are no uh, rules. Um, so you can gather in, in whatever number. Uh, as for your question, are a family of four allowed to be in public together? Yes, there is an exemption uh, for uh, households. So if you, if you are a household, you can be in a group. Uh, there is no limit on the number of uh, people that can be together in a household of people who live together uh, in a house. So uh, I hope that clarifies some of those points. Um, that's it from uh, us, from uh, Jim Gould and myself. The weather, before we go, fine and dry, cool this morning and at night. Temperatures up to about 21 degrees. Yeah, look, fine and dry in the next couple of days, rather cool in the morning. Temperatures falling to 14 degrees, 17 degrees at the moment, and a relative humidity now of 65%. To fight the virus together, we must protect ourselves and others and reduce social contact. Stay at home as far as possible. Avoid social gatherings and don't go to crowded places. Work from home if feasible. Don't shake hands with others. We should also avoid meal gatherings. Let's adopt these measures to prevent the spread of novel coronavirus in the community. For more information on fighting the virus, visit chp.gov.hk. 934, the news with Samantha Butler. An infectious disease expert says a government proposal to raise fines from $2,000 to 10000 for people who flout anti-epidemic rules is unfair to poorer members of society. Leung Chi Chu says the government should tighten law enforcement first before levying tough penalties. Britain has urged Hong Kong and Beijing to stop stifling opposition, with the Foreign Minister Dominic Raab calling on them to uphold the rights and freedoms of people in the SAR. He was commenting after pro-democracy activists Joshua Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam were jailed over an anti-government protest outside police headquarters in Wan Chai in June last year. And mainland social media platform WeChat